and welcome to this bonus episode of 20-Minute Health Talk. I'm Sandra Lindsay. Today, we're continuing the conversation about Black maternal health. On our last episode, I spoke with Dr. Dawnette Lewis, who shared what Northwell Health is doing to address the barriers to care Black women face during pregnancy. We released that conversation during Black Maternal Health Week. But this is an issue, really a national crisis, that we need to keep talking about all year round. So on today's episode, we're doing just that with Dr. Monique Rainford, author of the new book, Pregnant While Black, Advancing Justice for Maternal Health in America. Dr. Rainford is an OBGYN at Yale Medicine and a women's health disparities expert. When I heard about her new book, I reached out to Dr. Rainford. I was locked into this book. It's captivating, it's fascinating, it's sad, but it gives you so much hope that this issue is finally out and getting the spotlight that it needs. Just talking to Dr. Rainford, you could hear her passion for this, her authenticity, and those are things that you want in a physician, especially when you're bringing life into the world. You need people like Dr. Rainford. In this episode, we will speak about my personal experience, the experiences of other women that Dr. Rainford has treated both here in the United States and in Jamaica, and the role implicit bias and institutional racism play. Here is my conversation with Dr. Monique Rainford. All right, Dr. Rainford, thanks so much again for joining us here on 20 Minute Health Talk. Thanks for having me and speaking with me today, Sandra. It's really a pleasure. My pleasure as well. I have to tell you that over the weekend, I was glued to your book. Fascinating, heartbreaking, illuminating, all at the same time. But I'd like to start here with um, some mind-blowing statistics. Black women are three times more likely to die from pregnancy than their white peers. In your captivating book, Pregnant While Black, you mentioned the color of a woman's skin as being a risk factor, along with diabetes, hypertension, obesity, and other clinical risk factors. Let's begin here. What do you mean? So when we talk about the color of a woman's skin, Black people have been seen in this country and still are, unfortunately, as being inferior, as not as good, as not as smart. And how that perception that's baked in and that's baked in into not just people with overt biases. Unfortunately, it's baked in with people who really don't want it to be baked into them. They really mean well. They they really don't think they're having those biases, but it's baked in. And that is the whole thing about implicit bias is the kind of bias that you're not consciously aware of, but it causes you to deliver less quality care than if the person were a white person. And then the other part of it is all the risk factors that black women come into pregnancy with because of what we call what is called institutional racism 
And that's the all the disadvantages that they've had over years and years, economic disadvantages, job opportunity disadvantages, the stress, the chronic stress of discrimination that it has on the woman, the person, all those additive effects not only affect her pre-pregnancy, but it doesn't stop in pregnancy. I mean, we know so many stories of Black women who've had issues and some of the, and they have problems. And the assumption is that they're on drugs. The assumption is that they're doing something harmful for their child when they're just doing their best. And the problem is not what they did for the pregnancy or during the pregnancy. The problem is what, what was done to them during the pregnancy that has created the problem. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, there's, there's sadness to it. There's, there's sadness to it for sure. Definitely. I, I couldn't help but thinking back on my own experience. Um, I was young, single mother, underinsured, and um, I went a few times with pain, excruciating pain, and they sent me home. Um, the last time I went back, I remember them saying to me, do not come back here unless your water breaks or the babies come in out. And um, just some of the comments, which I can't even say on air, um, that was directed at me. Again, I felt like I didn't have a voice. Well, that's, that's such a story, Sandra. So hard. I'm sorry you went through that. The situation, you, you didn't deserve the situation it, regardless of the fact that you were uninsured or underinsured, regardless of the fact that you're single. But the reality is, even if you were fully insured, even if you were married as a Black woman, you could have had a similar experience. And that is the reality of Black pregnant women, Black pregnant people in America. Even if they have all those things, even if they did everything right, this can happen to them. And that's why, interestingly, the disparities are worse for Black, really women of high socioeconomic status, medium to high socioeconomic status with lower risk factors, they have the worst disparities. Because even with all that, things like that can happen. Yeah, you mentioned also in your book that you can't over-educate yourself from mistreatment. I'm just going to bring up three women who, as you mentioned, it doesn't matter your socioeconomic status. Um, it doesn't matter who you are. You can still, you're not immune from mistreatment. Let's talk about Dr. Shalon Irvin, Serena Williams, Beyonce Knowles Carter, their experiences, pregnant while Black. Let me start with Shalon. And as you know, I wrote extensively about Dr. Irving in the book. Shalon, double PhDs, right? Two PhDs working at the CDC, advocate for equity. And yet, despite multiple visits to the doctor's office saying that's a problem, and then you still end up dying from a maternal complication that on my side, looks preventable, that's a failure. And I want to go into the real statistics, right? Because let's 
move away from the story in mm-hmm. a sense. And you talked about Serena and Beyonce. Again, knowing that Serena had to advocate for care for a known condition that she had. Right. Um, pulmonary embolism, a known condition. In 2018, they examine the maternal mortality in New York, state of New York. And they determined that 78% of mm-hmm. the deaths were preventable. 78%. Wow. So that's a real statistic. So Shalon surely appeared to me that it was presentable, but let's talk about what mater- maternal mortality reviews committees found right here in New York. Well, I'm not in New York, but where you are in New York, 78% preventable so clearly there is a problem and clearly it's just it's not just sad stories it's really a problem black mothers are being failed by the system and not just black mothers mothers are being failed by the system but black mothers are being failed to a higher degree by the system as it is now so you know you mentioned and as in Serena's case and and Dr. Irvin, complications were developed post-delivery. And a lot of people think that, you know, you deliver the baby, you go home and you're fine. But you mentioned that it's the period, I think you referred to it as the period that ends too soon, that postpartum period. A higher proportion of deaths occur in the postpartum period. And as such, one, if a woman comes in with a problem and comes in, one, she may have a hard time finding an appointment, right? So that's that's access and that's a problem. And then she has a problem. And if she has a complaint and it's not properly addressed and it's ignored or minimized, it just doesn't go away. It gets worse and it can get so bad that it can cost her her life or significant morbidity, as it did in the case of Shalon Irvin. And she went, right? She was seen for those appointments, but for some reason it was missed or inadequately cared for. And, you know, that's a problem. That in itself is a problem. Is it that we need more training um, for clinicians to recognize things? Or is it that that she should have seen a physician every time? Or is she if she saw obstetrician, does that mean that the obstetrician w- would have recognized it? Or would implicit bias interfere with the care? You know, there, there are so many aspects to that. But knowing that, however, though, things do work. Training is effective. Me, education for clinicians is effective. Um, yes, implicit bias may not always be effective, but they're effective at least once that they've shown for people who care about their biases. So knowing that there's strategies that can work, that can improve, improve care. And then on the other side, again, if we inform our patients, Serena was informed, so she knew exactly what to ask for. So we in, improve, enhance the education for patients. So, cause sometimes unfortunately may need to know what to ask for, but it certainly saves Serena. So it can save somebody else. So all those layers of trying to improve the system, I think we need to do, employ all of them. I think we need to use every single method we have at our disposal to enhance the care delivery. 
You said in your book, Dr. Rainford, let's stop expecting Black women to fix themselves without giving them the tools. What are the tools? Access to preconception care without biases, right? Wholesome preconception care, for example, that they can optimize their health in before pregnancy, access to optimal prenatal care throughout pregnancy. And if they happen to have bond with a clinician, can't we make it so that they get to see that clinician throughout pregnancy? Mm -hmm. Access to hospitals that are adequately resourced to take care of them in their pregnancy. How can we make sure that Black women have access to doulas, support services, and make sure that is covered? And I know there are much more advancements in many more states, New York as well. Are we listening to them? Are they, are we making sure that we do the full evaluation that's needed for a particular complaint to make sure that we're we're ruling out something that could be like threatening? Take, for example, a condition such as preeclampsia. You wrote about this extensively in your book and being able to pick up the, the subtle signs you gave an example. I think you were working in a community hospital and had to transfer a patient to uh, the University Hospital of the West Indies. I'll have you talk about that and how you picked up on those subtle signs. But I think one of the things that I appreciated about that uh, story, it was your conferencing with the nurses. It was a team approach. So when you remind me of that story, of course, I think of the patient and she comes to my mind fondly. We had a great relationship. I was seeing her consistently through her pregnancy. She is a wonderful patient, easygoing and well-resourced. She was of higher economic status. So remembering that preeclampsia can happen to anyone. Noticed her blood pressure was rising because she came to all our visits and I was able to pick it up. Admitted her to the hospital, uh, a, a very good community hospital, I would say, um, in Jamaica at the time, but a community hospital. And I was able to watch her, check her blood pressure frequently. And I noticed that she seemed to be turning around one evening, but I thought, hmm, let me keep her one more day. Let me watch her overnight, watch overnight. And then things started going the other direction. Things were doing better. And then they started going the other direction. She was preterm. And then I did some tests and I realized I cannot deliver her preterm baby where I am. We do not have the resources. Mm -hmm. So I contacted the university hospital. Thankfully, they agreed to take her. So she was able to get up to the university hospital. And then I, after she had left, I got my test results to show that things were really going badly. And they also got results at the same time. I said, no, we're taking her back now. So she was able to be delivered safely. And yes, preterm, but safely. So ultimately, you know, the best possible outcome under the circumstances for her and her baby. So there are many different factors that go into optimizing the care for women in a difficult outcome to a difficult situation to make the optimal outcome from that situation. So you're right. It's, it, you know, every part, lots of pieces in the puzzle and the parts matter. Dr. Rainford, thank you so much for joining us today on 20 Minute Health Talk. 
Your book, Pregnant While Black, is out now, and I encourage everyone to pick up a copy. Thank you for having me, Sandra. Again, it was a pleasure speaking with you, and congratulations on all the work you continue to do for advocacy and health in your system and beyond that. Thank you so much, Dr. Rainford. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Sandra Lindsay.